Hey everybody, welcome to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I'm your host, Chris Cosentino. We are here to talk about people that inspire and all my guests are inspiring in so many different ways. And I'm really looking forward to digging deep into how they got to where they are, to the top of their game, how hard they've worked, how much they've given up and how they're giving back. So without further ado, here's our next guest. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I am here with Lachlan Morton. Those of you who don't know who he is, you should pay attention because he's created this whole new form of, no, he hasn't created the form, but he's embraced this form of racing and fun while racing in the Pro Tour. Um, and I think it's a really refreshing change, you know, where I'm really excited to watch it because, yeah, I love watching the Pro Tour racing, but I think it's more exciting watching what you're doing. So welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> what, let, let, I kind of want to start at the beginning. I mean, you're from Australia. I know you yep. and your brother used to race together, uh, also <laughs> separate teams. What, like, what was that trajectory? How did that start? Because what, you, what you've been able to accomplish is no small feat. I mean, this stuff is massive. And, and I want people to recognize how much work and energy you've put in to get here. Yeah, I mean, um, we grew up with bikes, like, around all the time. Um, and, you know, like, taking parts of bikes apart and, like, putting them back together and, like, just, like, playing with them, basically. Um, and we had, like, we lived on, like, a a farm outside of town and so like we had lots of space so like we would make bike tracks and uh, race each other around um and we had motorbikes and just like we, had, we always had bikes around basically um and my dad was really into like car racing so we were going to start go-kart racing when we were kids um because like we loved anything fast you know um and we had friends of ours who were going to get go-karts like the same year and they had kids the same age as my brother and I. And we'd already nearly killed each other on motorbikes because we were so competitive. Um, so they didn't want us in the same categories, like racing each other, basically. Because they're like, we will, we will kill, we'll kill each other. Um, so they got go-karts and instead we joined the bike club because there was like a, a local cycling club in our town um and we were in a town of like at that time it was about 30,000 people so not a massive town but not super small um but the bike club was like had 200 over 200 members I think um which was doesn't seem strange now like when cycling is a lot a lot bigger um but at that point like in Australia that was a rarity to have like a, a cycle club that strong um and yeah, there was just something about it that like um, immediately clicked. And like, I think we had like, well, my brother had was really talented. He had a lot of ability for it. Um, and I was just always trying to like chase him down basically. So I kind of was racing on the weekend, like at the local club. And then when I was, 10 i saw the tour de france um like we were on a family holiday and i saw it in person 2003 and um like that was it that's when i first saw that cycling, like professional cycling was a real thing you know because in australia it's like 
you know, I was the, definitely the strange kid to be riding bikes. You know, everyone else was like surfing or playing rugby or like riding motorbikes. Um, so yeah, I saw that. And then I, I distinctly remember like making the decision then, like from that point on, I was like, when anyone would ask me what I was going to do when I was older, I was like, I'm going to be a professional cyclist. Um, and then, so from the age of like 10 until I turned professional when I was like 19, um, that's all I did. I just rode my bike. And like I, I work, I'd wake up every morning at like 4.30 and I would start riding at five so I could get in like three hours before school. And then I'd go to school and then I'd like ride back back home. I'd get mum to come like with the bike in the car and like I was just crazy about it. Um, so I, I got really good at it because I did a lot of it. Um, and then, yeah, I turned professional when I was like 19 years old. <laughs> so it was like a, a it wasn't uh, I wouldn't say it was a rapid like um progress or anything like I, I did as you said like it was at that point a lot of hard work um like I was riding probably like close to pretty close to 30 hours when I was like 15 16 just also going to high school you know um that's a massive that's a massive number yeah and and like looking back at it um like none of it was healthy (laughs) you know it was it was a real like it was an obsession um and it was just like at that point I was so competitive and just I don't know I had this drive to to prove myself um like at every race I went to and if I didn't win I was upset you know um so I, I look back like I was almost a different person then um but definitely like that like foundation of like hard training and just like work ethic I guess um like it, it, it still I still benefit from today I think like having done it so you know you train how, what brought you to the states so you you're based in boulder and in mm-hmm. i'm i'm guessing spain just like everybody else yeah yeah exactly <laughs> more, more so boulder now um <laughs> but yeah when i like during my junior years we would come to like the states because my dad was working here a bit um so we would come like in the american summer for like three or four weeks um and during one of those like stays the u.s championship was on like i think i was 15 16 or 17 i think i was 15 16 and my dad was like oh why don't we go do this and i was like okay i'll give it a go and i won that and um jonathan borders was there he was like watching the race for whatever reason um i guess scouting like (laughs) that, that would be the reason um I think I went in front of Lawson, like Lawson Craddock, who we were teammates, or we are teammates. Um, but yeah, that kind of like got me on the radar. And then there was an opportunity that came up when I was like 17 um, that I could go and race for the development team for Garmin, which meant moving to um, Boulder. And I was like just finishing high school. And I did like fine in high school. So I was kind of thinking like, oh, what do I do now? Like 
keep racing or like do I go to university and but I didn't have any interest outside of riding bikes you know so like I kind of knew deep down that university was going to be a waste of time anyway um and plus I was like this is too good of an opportunity like I'm just going to go do it um so that was when I first moved to the states full-time so I was like just turned 18 um and moved over to Boulder and experienced my first real winter, which was like a um, seagull shock to the system. <laughs> yeah. I can't. So yeah, then I, I've been living in the States on and off since then um, with like time in Europe. Um, and yeah, but basically Boulder on and off for, for 10 years now. So, you know, you, you were at the development team you left for a year or two from that family and now you're back with the same family again, right? Yeah. What and how did the transition happen from you just like focusing solely on traditional UCI races to making this fun like mix? Like you, you started doing this mix of stuff. Now, if I'm correct, that was about three, four years ago, you started mixing both. Yeah. Um, and if I recall, the big one was you went and raced, God, was it Leadville? And then you went out to Utah and then crushed his yeah. and everybody shit their pants. Like, he's like, how the fuck does he have anything left after going and doing this crazy thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that was a, um, that was quite a long process. Like, because I rode for the development team and then went straight into the world tour team when I was 20. Um, and like basically hated it. Um, like I rode very well in the world tour team the first year. Um, and then just like, I think it's like anyone, like you, you realize like a big goal in your life. And I got there um, and I was very young and I was just like, well, wait, this is it <laughs> kind of thing. Um, like I was like, I'm not, I was like, I have a, pro contract i'm writing well um these are all the things that i thought were gonna fulfill me um but i was miserable and like because in the process of like getting to that point um i kind of pushed like everything else in my life to the side um like my my family friends just everything that wasn't writing really um and i just kind of yeah i don't know it, it's it's like a I guess a lot of people don't ever get to that one thing um, and then have the presence of mind to be able to like look around and sort of assess. But I was lucky that like, I kind of reached that point early and then I was so isolated that I became very apparent that like I wasn't fulfilled and I was actually quite miserable. Um, so that's, that led me to like step away from the walk to racing. And in that process, I like, rode my bike to the middle of Australia with my brother. Um, and that really like shifted my perspective on bikes. Um, because I, I'd always just used to, to race. And then this kind of like, I realized I was like, you can, you can travel on this thing. You can learn about yourself. You can learn about the places you're riding through. Like, this is like the best thing ever, you know? <laughs> and like that, I don't know, that revelation just, um, yeah, it, it changed the way I look at bikes. 
and, and cycling and ultimately life. But um, yeah, so then I, I joined Jelly Belly, like the US team with Danny Van Hout. <laughs> um, and just to see if I, I did still want to race. And I knew like, once I started racing again, I was kind of like, yeah, I definitely still want to do this, but I also want to explore like everything else I can do on a bike. So I spent like the next four years, like basically doing like a normal season. And then like in the off season, we would go and do these like adventure rides and try and like juggle both, um, which like I could do like somewhat successfully, um, but it definitely felt like the two things never matched. And like when I would go to race, I was kind of like, all right, I'm putting on my professional face <laughs> kind of like like it wasn't really ever totally being myself um so is this how thereabouts came is this when then thereabouts yeah also exactly came? exactly so we would go and do those trips and then i'd go race the normal season um but then finally this opportunity came up with ef to like because, I mean, Gus and I had this kind of idea that we tried to pitch to a bunch of people to be like, why can't we do combine these things? Um, but, yeah, like, basically Rafa sort of uh, facilitated that and then it was like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, you know? And so I just, like, jumped at it and was like, all right, I want to do every event. I, wanna do, I just want to do it all. And then... Um, that's kind of, it's grown from there. Um, and it's been like a really rewarding um, process, you know, like to combine everything I love about bikes and kind of put it all into like a dream calendar, I guess. It's so amazing. I mean, I've watched the Thereabouts films, you know, I've talked to your brother Gus quite a bit about them and, and how much fun you guys had. I mean, Columbia, he said was pretty rough. But, uh, <laughs> <For him. laughs> but so i mean let, let's just kind of break it down you've got colorado trail cocopelli trail gb gb duro uh badlands race i mean these are mm -hmm. not small feats like, right fact, i mean how long did you go without sleeping at badlands was it 36 hours oh um it was just uh, 40, 40 or 42 hours, I think. I mean, that's hours. just, I mean, I used to race 24 hour solo. So like I get yeah. it and you get that point. Yeah. It's like We would call the three o'clock in the morning, the witching hour when you would start to totally. see shit right before the yeah. sun comes up, right? And then the sun comes up and you feel anew and then you just go, yeah. right? But there's that time you like see yeah. spaceships. And if like, if 3 a.m. on the first night is the witching hour, then 3 a.m. on the second night is like the devil's hour. <laughs> gotta be interested by that point right <laughs> yeah it's terrifying <laughs> i can't imagine like just looking at the sheer volume of the mileage the elevation but also the self-support that you've been doing i think is is really what to me cycling can be in a bigger way like it was that like I look at bikes as it was the first way I could get the farthest point away from my family or my parents, right? Yeah. Without hearing them scream my name to come home, right? Yeah. And that's what's so great about bikes. It makes you feel like a little kid again. You get outside, 
and there's definitely solace and suffering, right? Like when you're riding out there and you're pushing through through something because you're pushing yourself, you're competing within yourself. But yeah. it's, what was that like? Okay, how did you decide which one to do first? What was this? How did you pick and choose it? Um, the first year was all just kind of like a shot in the dark a bit. So we went and did um, Unbound. the And I loved that. Um, but I remember being in the press conference afterwards and I saw like Leo Wilcox had just finished the, the XL and there was like a look in her eyes that was like, there was something that she'd experienced that I had never experienced, you know? And I was like, I want that. Um, I want to see what that's all about. So the next event was, um, the, uh, GB Juro which is like Land's End, John O'Groats in the UK. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, gravel race, I've got that. And then like within the first five miles, it was just like kind of walking through a field, you know? And I was like, oh, this is something different. <laughs> and proceeded to like, I think I rode like 30 hours that first stint, you know? And like just went through the full range of like, emotions that you have just as a human you know like from huge elated moments to just like the absolute you know bottom darkest deepest cave that you've got down there um and that was just in like the first day <laughs> and then proceeded to do that for a week um and i just had like the most amazing experience um and it was really like so much more than a bike ride like i was really i felt really empowered coming out of it because i was i overcame a bunch of fears that i had um and also just pushed harder than i just had more in me than i thought i did you know and it was it was the the situation that brought that out um it was something that I, if i had never done that like you wouldn't know you could go there you know um, and you would never bother I, to go there. If I can interrupt you and ask, what yeah. was the biggest fear? And you can tell me to fuck off if you don't want to tell me. But. Um, I think the biggest fear, like going into that, was definitely like, like failing at like the first real uncomfortable moment. You know, I think like the idea of like, okay, what if it like gets really cold and I'm hungry? and tired all at the same time and it's dark and like i'm trying to ride a sketchy trail in the middle of the night you know and beforehand i thought i don't know what's going to happen when i get to that point and i'm afraid i'm just going to crack you know like mentally physically whatever it is I feel, i'm afraid i'm going to give up kind of thing um and to get into like those really difficult situations and then kind of get overwhelmed with it but then realize you're like all right this is what i'm here for and then being able to like step up to that moment um that was like really empowering in a way and, and i kind of built on that each day um and realizing that like the difficulties just kind of keep coming but the only thing you can control is just like how you how you deal with them and it just kind of you picked up little tools and little things that you know work for yourself that you're like all right i i can deal with this um and so that was like overcoming fears but like even 
I mean, like there was basic things. I was like, what if I like need to sleep like just on the side of the road? You know, like beforehand, you're like, that's kind of scary. Like, you know, but then you get the situation and you're just like, oh man, how good is it going to be to just pull the bivy out and sleep right here? You know what I mean? Like in the scheme of the things you're dealing with, like the things you thought were scary before, you're like, oh mate, that's nothing, you know? Um, <laughs> so like, or you run out of food, you know? And then you're like, realize, you're like, okay, I haven't eaten for like, eight hours and i've been riding but i'm I'm not dead (laughs) you know like nothing nothing catastrophic has happened that i thought would you know and 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 you just kind of get on with it um so yeah that that experience at that race in particular like just that definitely like uh like wet my appetite for like the longest stuff um like the the more endurance and like ultra i guess you call it like distances um but also just like the like the from that i was kind of like okay a lot of good can happen from just throwing yourself in something like even if you don't have the experience um and like maybe it intimidates you like there is a lot of good that can come from from just throwing yourself at an event. So then like, yeah, I went and did like, I think after that, I just went straight and did like Colorado Trail, um, like after Leadville or something. And that just destroyed me, <laughs> you know? And then it, like, I basically, from from since then, I've just been trying to seek out things that I can do. Um, and then when I get the feeling that I'm like, oh, I wouldn't mind jumping in a road race, I just kind of like get back in there for a few months. <laughs> So, like, looking at all these different ones and all the different experiences that have come along the way, you, the all tour was, I think, from the public's eye, you overshadowed the entire Tour de France. There was, <laughs> the world was watching you. They were watching your dot and people were freaking out. It was just, it was so inspiring for so many. I mean, how many Birkenstock shoes did you go through? <laughs> yeah right you know the flat the fact that you rode on flat pedals you climbed those those massive you know climbs people really realized what is possible right not only you showed them that you can do it if you put your mind to anything and what like i've heard little bits and pieces of how that all came together but was this you coming up with this cockamamie scheme or was it somebody else? Was it a combination of you pulling it together going, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll even ride, I'll even ride the transfers. Yeah. Cause those aren't small or anything. <laughs> now, the idea of riding the whole route um, with the transfers was like somewhere between Philip Holt, who is the uh, EF CEO and Jonathan Borders who runs our team. Um, I think it was like their brainchild and probably over like, bunch of wine or something and they're like yeah i bet he could do that (laughs) um and but their idea was like i would use a like uh would have a camper van following and like a crew and you know do it like which like um i didn't want to do the i wanted to do it uh unsupported because um in a lot of ways it's it's, it sounds strange in, in for me that riding it in that style is like somehow it's a bit easy it's easier because like mentally you're like 
engage in a lot of different ways um, than just simply pedaling, 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 you know? Um, the, you're kind of working out like, oh, I got to get food. Like, I need to remember, like, when I see a bike shop, I got to get another tube because, like, I've only got two left. Or, you know, like, just there's always something you need to work out. Or, like, I got to find the campground to, like, go and sleep. Or, um, so that was, like, my input was, like, I want to do it self-supported. Um, and also, like, I just feel like you engage with what you're doing a lot when you, uh, well, like where you are. So like when you do things in like the self-supported fashion, um, because like, you know, you're engaging with people to get food or you're engaging with someone when you're asking if you can camp out the back or like, you know, like you're constantly getting a feel for where you are. Um, and it's, it's not like fragmented by like, you know, huge stints and then, sleeping in the back of a van and then just getting out and doing the same thing again. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like a combination idea. Um, and I, to be honest, I was like, no, I thought it would be, I, I, I don't know why I was just like, oh yeah, I can knock this out. Like, won't be too bad. And then like, we started crunching the numbers and I was looking at these distances and like, the elevation and i was like shit this is gonna be like big <laughs> like i have to do some big days um and i didn't want to do like sleep deprivation and like ride through the night um for like a few reasons like one it's a long period of time to try and do that um and you're on open roads like all the ultra stuff i'd done before that was always off-road for the most part um so like on roads, it's obviously, it's more dangerous. Um, but also I didn't want to be so out of my mind tired that like I missed the experience. Um, so I kind of set out with the idea that I would try and sleep at least six hours every night. Um, and like, just basically ride as much as I could otherwise. And that can't, it's basically how it ended up working. Like they're obviously like, <laughs> you know and like challenges but um to be honest beforehand i knew all that was coming like i'd, I'd done enough of those long long rides beforehand that i was like there's gonna be you know some major things that come up here and like you're just basically gonna have to deal with them um but you go through that process every time like for the first like four days, you're always thinking about why the next day is going to be easier. Like, oh, I'll do this, this, and now I've got this sorted. Like tomorrow's going to be easier. And then after like the fourth or fifth day of like something else popping up every day as it always does, you're like, okay, I just need to stop like pretending tomorrow's going to be easier and just like prepare myself mentally for when that comes so it doesn't crack me, you know? Um, so yeah, like, it was a very rewarding experience um and like yeah it got a lot of uh traction which i didn't kind of realize du during it <laughs> because like i was just doing my thing like didn't have my phone on really except for to call my wife like at the end of the day or like i'd turn it on to like look for the the campsite or whatever but um i didn't really realize that like it, there was so many people following it um I mean, and that was never like rising it was fucking polarizing you <laughs> raised so much money for world bicycle relief you 
and it's amazing to hear that you didn't know that so many people were watching. I mean, yeah, like there was like more and more people would turn out like dot watches to come out and ride. And then um, like there was more and more like news crews and stuff turning out like like they'd stop you, try to stop you on the road. And, uh, and it would just kind of be like, I'm, like, I'm trying to ride really far. <laughs> like, what if I, like, I haven't got time to be like stopped for an interview on the side of the road here. You can like, drive next to me and you can film sideways. Oh, and- man. There was like one instance when like I had to do like a live cross to uh, the US coverage, like to, to Phil Ligger and I think it was Christian. And I, I had been so hungry. Like I'd run out of food and like, I'd been like trying to get to this town for like no joke, like five hours. And the time came and I was like two Ks away from the edge of town, just dying. And then I had to stop and do this like half hour interview and I could just barely see, you know? And all I could think of was like, I was like, I just, I, cause I was like, I need to get to this town before I do this fucking live cross. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like those things, I didn't have a, an idea of the scope. Um, but to be honest, like, None of my, like, I'm sure between, like, JV and the team, they could probably understand. They're like, oh, this could be big. But as far as, like, my uh, motivation is always, like, I'm searching for an experience that, like, I want to have because I want to be, like, authentic to that. I don't want to do something because I'm like, I think this will be, like, get a lot of publicity. Because the second you start to do that, like, it diminishes like a your experience of it but like people also people aren't dumb <laughs> you know like all that bullshit like if you were doing exactly. that it would be transparent and nobody nobody would really be interested that's i think that's that's what it was i mean from yeah perspective watching it you were out riding your bike having fun suffering in the rain wearing birkenstocks oh you're frozen did I lose you? Bach, have I still got you? There you are. Yeah, I froze yeah. for a second. No, I, I think, you know, you were out there with a smile, you know, yeah. some days, some days not as much when it was when you were wet or your foot or your knee hurt, but you were, you were enjoying it and you could see it. I mean, how many baguettes did you eat on that trip? Do you have a count? Oh man. Um, like at least, uh, I would say probably 40, at least 40. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. 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 That was like my staple. I was like, <laughs> I was just, <laughs> anywhere I'd see a baguette, I'd be like, you know, stop it, like a little patisserie, grab a few things. And I'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, give me a baguette as well. <laughs> like just, just in case. Um, so I I guess, like, I'm guessing you're not gluten-free. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. And a lot of milk. I would drink like, at least a liter of milk every day. I don't know why that became just like a thing that seemed like the right thing to be doing, but I just, I drank a lot of milk. <laughs> were you craving certain things when you were riding? Was there, was there foods that you were like, oh man, I really need this, or you felt like your body was desperate for it? Or was it just, you know? Yeah. Blah, blah. Like I've never, um, I, I never have like a crazy like nutrition strategy or anything. I'm not like, um, like I spoke with the team, the team um, dietitian beforehand, and like he started coming up with these strategies. And like, to be honest, like I'm sure they were all really great. 
and like he's a great guy and he was really trying to help um but like deep down i was like i know the reality of when i get out there i'm just gonna be eating whatever i can you know um so like my as far as i'm a big believer in like following cravings especially on those long distance things and i always just try and have like something sweet um something salty and savory and then like I'll have like uh, plain water and then like water with like either like some sort of mix or like milk is a good one because like there's plenty of electrolytes in that. Um, And then I'll just be like, okay, when my body's thirsty for something like uh, sugary or salty, like I'll I'll drink that. When I just want water, have that. When I'm craving sweet, eat that and then salty that and then try and have like one proper meal every day. which like, because I decided like after the first, the first night I, I slept in a hotel, um, which is like part the plan was, I was like, oh, I'll probably do like one hotel and then camp a couple of nights, one hotel. And I don't know, I slept in a hotel the first night cause like I had to start super late. So I finished at like one. And then I did that and I was like, ah, this isn't the right feeling. Like I, I was like, I'm, I feel this to me, I'm like, I, I want to be out. So then I decided I was camping like from then on. Um, so I would like kind of finish up at like, try and finish by like seven to 8 PM. Um, so I could like cook whatever I'd bought, like in my little burner and then like enjoy that meal, like for like an hour and then like go to bed. <laughs> um, so that was like my, like I, in my head, I was like, to keep the scurvy away, <laughs> you know, like I'm trying to eat something colorful. <laughs> um, and I love that. Keep the scurvy away. Yeah. <laughs> and then like <laughs> during the day, I was just running hot, you know, like whatever I could get my hands on. Generally I'd wake up, I didn't have breakfast um, because it was good motivation to get going. So I'd like wake up at five and be like, okay, if I'm hungry, I'm going to pack this tent up and like get moving. And then I'd find somewhere to eat at like whenever I'd see the first like bakery open, just normally around like seven. And I'd go in there and like grab a couple of baguettes, <laughs> a couple of quiches, like, you know, <laughs> stuff the pockets and then just get moving and eat my baguette and like drink my liter of milk. <laughs> um then like mix of food it's so rad (laughs) yeah there was no huge methodology behind it but then like in like Carcassonne like I was riding through um the city and like I was having a hard day and I went past this like restaurant it was on the corner I could see a bunch of people sitting out there in the sun and like they were cooking meat in there and I was like that's what I want to be doing like you know, and I wouldn't like fight that. I just stopped and then like drank a couple of beers, ate a steak. And then like, you know, an hour later I was back on the road, you know, refreshed and renewed. And cause like mentally, and I think a little bit physically, that's what I was craving, you know? So like, I, that's kind of my <laughs> nutrition strategy. I don't know how, like, I think, uh, I think that's honest. I mean, you're listening, you're listening to your body and it's telling you what you want and you know what, what those things are. And that's a yeah. powerful understanding. Yeah, exactly. And I think like the more you do it, the more you can understand that. And then also like it kind of um, 
it's it's like reassuring to know that because I feel like when you're racing, you kind of constantly fed this idea of like and, and racing is different, but you fed this idea of like I need to be getting this much energy, I need to like get this in, otherwise like I'm gonna bonk and like fall apart out there. Um but your body has like a bunch of internal measures that kind of keep you on track if you like, you know, are willing to listen to it. And yeah, I mean when you spend like that much time out there riding along that's basically all you're listening to is your body and like fighting with your own brain so um yeah you get in tune with those things <laughs> so you took how much time did you take off after doing that because i mean you did hurt your you, your knee was really sore and you had to kind of give yourself some break yeah i mean my knee repaired itself like once i got in the flats it was like, good. it was good like it took a little a little while but by the time i got to um paris my knee was fine and i think a couple of days later i like went for a run um, from the hotel and then I, I then i was on the i was i didn't really have any time off to be honest um because i like it's it's a weird thing to say and like but for the last week the thing i missed most was like mountain biking <laughs> you know i was like i wish i could just take this bike off the road and i'm just in trails like um this is enough road time for me now um so i was really looking forward already to like getting back to um to rona and then finally colorado to like ride ride to mountain bike trails so yeah i didn't need a huge amount of time off like you kind of um same thing I find that like you just have to listen to your body and be honest with it because like I've had times when I've done stuff that was seemingly not nearly as difficult but you need more time to rest and sometimes your body just I don't know like after the old tour I felt like my body felt good um which was strange I don't know if it was all the milk or like plenty of sunshine or what it was but um like I was, I, I could feel, I was like, actually, I think I'm going to come out of this. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's a few, there's always like the week afterwards, like sometimes you're just sleep for 12 hours and you're like, Whoa, didn't see that coming, you know, or like you wake up a certain day and you're like, okay, I need to just cool it today. Like um, I feel that tired, but um, yeah, for the most part, like I was back into it. Um, I think I raced Leadville like about a month afterwards. It might have been less than a month. And yeah, it sounds about less than a month. I was like, I was, I was fine there, you know. So um, yeah, I think it's just there's no there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's a weird one because like um, I don't work with a coach anymore, um, but even like you know like the team team would look at like stuff i do and they'd be like oh he's gonna be done you know but there's no one really with the experience internally that's ever it's kind of dealt with that like ultra distance stuff before so like if you compare it to like you know what someone who's preparing for like the real tour de france does it seems ridiculous but um yeah i think for them it's kind of uncharted territory and so i'm just kind of go back to the old faithful like just listen to the body and see what happens um how was your experience at i know you were very excited to race cape epic 
And then yeah. last minute, you had a partner change and you brought in one of the racers from Team Amani, which I thought yeah. was really, really great and, and really cool. So what was that experience like racing a race where you can't leave, you can't leave each other's side? Yeah. Hadn't raced with before, somebody you didn't know. What was that experience like? Um, it was super rewarding, to be honest. Um, like it was definitely like a big change in um, objective because like for whatever reason the cape like cape epic was bringing out this like real competitive drive in me again um i don't know if it's like the format or just like there's something about it i'm just like i want to go there and race you know and alex and i had been like kind of getting ourselves together for it for like 18 months um and everything was like just kind of falling into place and then uh, Alex crashed and broke his finger. So um, it was looked like the dream was over. And then I was like, oh, I think I, I definitely know some guys who would love the opportunity to race. Um, and we kind of pulled the whole thing together. And then, yeah, Kenneth flew in from um, Kenya. He got the visa, I think, two days before or something. And um, wow. like, yeah, he came in and he's such a nice guy um and like it was it didn't take long for me to like i knew i realized he was obviously very um green and like it was going to be a huge learning experience but at the same time like understanding his um his situation like his his path into bike riding and like how easy my path into cycling was in terms of opportunity, you know, I had every opportunity that you could possibly want. Um, so it didn't take a lot for me to like, kind of, I just put my own personal ambitions like straight away on the side. It's like, all right, we need to work this out. Just like as a partnership one, like how are we going to get the most out of this partnership? And then two, how is Kenneth going to get the most out of this whole experience from a learning perspective? Um, and yeah, I think we managed to do that really well. You know, like I was trying to teach him as much as I could about racing, mountain biking, um, and just like performing at that level. Um, and then, you know, we would chat for like hours in the camper, like at night. And like, I was learning so much from him just as, as a person, you know, uh, like on a human level. So I think we both got so much out of it. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to be involved with like that program in particular, but also just, I think like, uh, I think like the elite level of any professional sport really uh, should involve, you know, like giving back to like populations or specific people or just some, some people who don't have the opportunity uh, because like, the funding that exists at the top level of sport could do so much at the bottom level, you know? Um, so yeah, it's kind of like, it all happened somewhat by accident. Um, but I'm really glad it did because I, I really hope that becomes you know, part of our program in the future. Um, and yeah, I've taken, I'm now Kenneth's coach. <laughs> so I'm giving him uh, training programs every day. And like, we get oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, because so it's like bigger, it's it's a bigger thing. You've you, you that's 
an amazing, amazing opportunity you created for him and for yourself at the same time. Learning. Yeah, and like it, it doesn't, well, it isn't like this idea of like, oh, we're giving this person the opportunity and like, you know, yay for us. It's like, no, what, what can we learn from him? And like, what can we do collectively to like, you know, better this sport? Um, so yeah, I'm, it, it was great. And like the Cape Epic itself as a race is amazing. <laughs> you know, like it's like this perfect mix of like, it's very competitive, but the, the atmosphere is super relaxed and the, the courses are like challenging, um, but not so much that like, you know, you can't sit around and have a beer afterwards and like have a laugh about it. You know, <laughs> like it's, it's just a very, it's a cool event. And I really hope to, to have the opportunity to go back for sure. Do you think you'll head out and do the migration race one? Yeah, I'd really love to do that. Um, oh, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like, again, it's a, a really great example of like um, what a bike race can be and what a bike race can achieve. So, um, yeah, I really hope to get out there this year for that. Um, but I'm also planning on taking a trip to Kenya beforehand, um, maybe early next year, um, to do some training out there with Kenyan, uh, Kenneth and uh, just like get a feel for it all. So, yeah. So one one little clap, one little last tidbit, and then we'll jump into the the rapid fire questions, which are fun. Right. Um, balance, okay. Mm -hmm. I know this is something that you mentioned earlier, you know, and why you found early on when you were racing in the World Tour that you were really kind of bummed out about it. But you know, you are married. You have some dogs. You know, you've got a life <laughs> around that 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 kind of you know, you got to balance yeah. that with the race and the ride yeah. and the fun. And how do you do that? And, and, and explain that to folks. Cause a lot of people don't know how to do that. I mean, I don't know how to do it. Yeah. I, I think, um, you never fully work that out. Do you? It's just a process of like constantly checking yourself. Um, and like, you know, I think for me, like there's certain periods where I definitely focus more on my bike than the rest of my life um but then i try to like swing that back the other way you know when i after i've done you know whatever it is like a big event or sometimes it just happens you know in it creeps up you know like i'm like okay i've just been focusing on bikes now for like a month and like i need to like be more engaged with my wife or like i need to like look at things outside of cycling for the next few weeks because I'm just down the rabbit hole. Um, so I don't think it's like, I definitely don't have the answer to like what the perfect um, balance is, you know? I think as for me, a big step was like, I don't train anymore. <laughs> if that, like, I know I ride my bike a lot, um, but I never go out and do like a training session um like there's never anything prescribed i just like think about like a route that will motivate me um and like that's basically how i decide what i'm gonna do that day and if like you know if, if i'm true to that i come home and like i've left that there and i'm in a better mood and like i'm basically better at doing everything else that i do for the rest of the day if I'm successful at like actually 
you know, chasing what motivates me on my bike. Um, whereas opposed to like my, when I used to train, <laughs> you know, and I'd be like, okay, I've got to go do four 15 minute efforts. And then I shit the bed on the third one and it's not what I wanted. And then I come home and I'm miserable for like the whole afternoon until I have a great session. And then like, that's, for me, that was a big step. Uh, because it's like, okay, if I'm, if I'm happy with what I, I consider work and then I come home even happier and then I just kind of leave my bike at the door and then like when I'm at home, I'm engaged with whatever I'm doing. That's kind of how I go about balance. But, you know, I'm still like an unbalanced person. <laughs> you know, I'm still out there riding my bike like I have a 30 hours every week, like a fucking nutbag. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't think good unbalanced there's unbalanced and then there's unbalanced yeah exactly like at least like I feel like the unbalanced now like I'm generally positive in most most parts of my life now so um but I don't think I should be like the pinup boy for like uh you know balancing life (laughs) you'll be one of those posters next to the eagle swooping down over the water (laughs) spiritual like be better. Fly in the moment, not in the <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, All yeah. right. So let's do this rapid fire. There's no, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just a personal opinion. You ready to roll? Ready to go. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Espresso or drip? Espresso. Espresso. Cappuccino. Espresso. I like that answer. <laughs> I don't do too much of the milk. Uh, I'm surprised though. You said you drank a lot of milk on the on the ride, so I figured you would be doing milk, milk coffee. Yeah, just keep, keep them separate. <laughs> <laughs> keep them separate. <laughs> Hot dog, hamburger. Uh, hamburger. Okay, this is if if it could be like a sausage roll, like an Australian sausage roll, I would say that's a whole roll. different ball of wax. I know the okay. no, then, then I go on hamburger because sure. a hot dog's different than a sausage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those are proper and those are delicious. I got, yeah, I love, yeah. but I do love me a hot dog. Uh, yeah. Ketchup or mustard? Ah, uh, mustard. Whole grain or Dijon? Dijon. Nigiri, sashimi. Nigiri. Ah, it, it depends. Is this like one for the rest of your life? <laughs> no, it's whatever your answer is your answer. It doesn't matter. It's like, it's just a moment, you know? I feel like when I have really good sashimi, that's more of an experience. I'm going to get sashimi. It's more of an experience for sure. Sea urchin caviar. Sea urchin. I, I'm actually going to add a different, an extra ingredient to this. It used to be just be choice of two, but you're going to get a third one. Nice. Lobster, crab, or shrimp? <laughs> um, crab. Definitely crab. We used to pull mud crabs out of our river um, growing up. And that's like, I think that's probably the most like memorable meals of my life was eating mud crabs. So definitely crab. I'm, I'm not familiar. What is mud crab? It's, a, it's a uh, just like they're big boys. And they're, they're like grow in the side of the river and you could, uh, basically paddle we paddle our dinghy along with the spotlight and then when you spotlight them they don't move they're like dazzled by the light and you can just catch them with a net um 
but they're really big and we'd basically just boil them up and then have it with uh, like butter. Just oh my like, God, that sounds great. We have to like hit it with a hammer basically to crack it all open. Um, but yeah. Wow. Beef or pork? Uh, beef. Favorite junk food? Uh, that's tough, man. I don't, I spent so much time writing that like, I eat a lot of junk food. <laughs> so like, it's not like I, I, I never really am narrowing it down. Um, probably I'd say ice cream. Ice cream's good, right? Yeah, ice cream. Ice cream? That's, yeah. That's a good, that's always a good one. Burrito or taco? Uh, burrito. Red wine or white wine? Red wine. Dark beer or light beer? Dark beer. Interesting. White spirits, brown spirits? Brown. Chocolate, fruit? Fruit. That's it? <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I felt like it was getting more intense, you know, until like, no, I finally make a mistake. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> I think it's fun because like so many people, the, 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 just, the differences of people's choices in life and why is pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, I like those questions. So great. <laughs> I mean, I think food is a powerful thing and, I, and I'm assuming on that trip through and everywhere you've been doing all these amazing adventures, you've seen, you know, especially like Badlands, you have, I mean, and you've lived in Spain and the food there in France, the food is incredible. So you're having these experiences. So when you talk to people, it's always interesting to see what their kind of their go-to thing is. Like I didn't say, yeah. you know, I, I usually say like noodles or pasta, dumplings, yeah. ravioli. Everybody's got a different thought on which is, you know, which is better for them. So totally. I, mean, I feel like um, I definitely have like, when it comes to food, I feel like I have an absolute split personality, you know, because like I could just be like, inhaling food just purely because i'm like all right this is going to get me through the distance you know like like today i went for a ride and like i was like kind of a bit pressed for time so like i was like i'd love to stop at like this really good looking bakery over here and like you know take my time and have a coffee and do that and i was like but instead i'm just gonna like eat these two payday bars and like you can have like drink a Gatorade and then like so I can get in a bit more riding, you know what I mean? Um, and then I'm like, but then I'm like, when I get home, I'm gonna have a really nice lunch. I'm gonna go out and like enjoy it, sit in the sun, you know what I mean? I don't know. I just have like two definitely definitely well, split personality with that. Do you do you ever have you ever heard of a guy by the name of John Stamstead? No. So John Stamstead was actually was the first ultra guy, right? right. He was the guy who did he was the first guy to do the full continental divide. He was the first record holder there, the first record holder for Alaska for the Iditarod bike, like monster on a bike. He was the first person to do 24 hour solo. Yeah. That's why I wanted to do it. Cause I saw him do it gotcha. at the time. And I was like, this guy registered, paid for a four person team, but used his name. Right. He used to eat cheese whiz because of <laughs> ca caloric density. He used to call it gotcha. caloric density yeah so i had like i had a similar theory with like um condensed milk you know like a lot of sugar dude. <laughs> dude yeah and like so 
if if you ever get stuck somewhere, you're like, okay, you can just crack, crack <laughs> suck down a condensed milk and you go pretty far. <laughs> I don't know if I could actually do that. No, <laughs> you kind of have to like mix it. The best is if you get a liter of milk, put the whole tub in, and then like a bit more of a slow burn. But, oh my God. <laughs> this is going to be a new cookbook. It's called Lockie's Cookbook for On the Bike. A <laughs> <laughs> new way to be like, yeah, a human dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> If people want to find you, the best way for them to find you is on Instagram? Yeah, yeah, you can find me there. Um, or you might find me out on the road. <laughs> That's even better. You probably have better chances of finding me out on the road. <laughs> probably. Probably. Lachlan, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. I know you're a busy man, and uh, I really appreciate it. No worries, mate. Super fun. And uh, I look forward. Hopefully, I get to catch you on the road. Maybe you're coming my way on your uh, on your next trip to California. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right. Cheers. <laughs>